Anyway, guys. Um, wow, what a world that we're living in right now. A time we're living in right now. You know, we've been talking about corona for the last several weeks. And what do we do with that now? What do we do after that? And if you're listening in the future, this is June 2020. Uh, we're in the wake of the murder of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. Two of those deaths were caught on camera. Uh, two of them, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, were by police. Um, and Ahmaud Aubrey with two white dudes who were doing, you know, citizen vigilanteism. All of them, you know, how do you justify taking somebody's life? I'm not sure, but... Um, yeah, that happened on tape. Totally unjustifiable. Obviously, acts of severe racism, police brutality, a sign of the times, things that have always been there. <laughs> but some people are just starting to recognize, and hopefully things will be done about them this time, because I pray and hope and march that this will not be, that this will not go on forever, that this will be the last time. I wanted to invite a black woman onto this podcast to talk about this topic with me. However, firstly, I absolutely botched scheduling. And secondly, we are right in the throes of this. And I've been asked by my friends and colleagues to, <laughs> obviously, we need to take a back seat on this. This is not time for them to be educating us. I'm talking about them being black women educating white people. So I have been doing my best to just listen. And I've been on this for a while since 2014 is when I realized that holy shit I'm extremely racist and benefiting from the system what does actual equality look like um, but only recently taken up the stance of or the title let's say of working towards anti-racism so I want to say that again I will have a black woman on here to talk about this more in depth um, and I want to be able to pay her to do it, but I don't want to do that in the throes of this. And so in this episode, I'm primarily, primarily speaking to white people. Uh, and if I sound tired, I am so tired. Can't imagine what black people are feeling like right now. Um, but again, all of this information, first of all, most of it can be found in my blog. The article is called Enough, We Must Address Racism in Sport and in Us. Again, this is primarily aimed towards white people. Um... And this is just a summary of what I have learned from other black women, um, black advocates, black abolitionists who have been doing this work forever. Like I said, this isn't new, but they've been educating, they've been leading, they've been advocating forever. So this is just some action steps for how we can address this in sport as coaches and practitioners, as people who love and care for our athletes, how we can do that better and begin to dismantle this in the sport industry, which is way far behind. I mean, we haven't even gotten really to sexism. <laughs> We're pretty much on a purposeful sexism, meaning they can't even treat white women equally for the most part in sport. Like white women are underrepresented. White women are, uh, women's sports are obviously taking back seats in pretty much every sport there is, uh, let alone black people, which it seems like that's the hierarchy in America is um, white women and then black people, which, and yeah, black, indigenous, people of color, which is just really shitty. I hate to even... We need to be addressing all of these things, obviously, but right at the forefront of our minds is this with racism. So let's dive into this, how we white people, white practitioners, white coaches, people who care for our athletes, a lot of them being people of color, black people, black athletes, 
um, who don't have representation around them because a lot of our coaching staff are white dudes, regardless of what sport and management, uh, reporters, etc. How do we begin to address this? I would like to give props to who I have learned from in this time. Firstly, fitness coach Chrissy King and physical therapist Dr. Jennifer Hutton. She's a doctor of physical therapy. She's amazing. They're both amazing black women who have been giving webinars um, where you can sign up and learn for like movement and fitness professionals how to be anti-racist, basically working towards anti-racism in your profession and with our athletes. Super important. Uh, they are CEUs, keep in mind. Uh, I don't believe that they're, I mean, it's an important continuing education anyway. You should absolutely do it, especially as a white person. Um, but I just can't echo enough that black women deserve to be paid for their time and their work. So I definitely recommend going and taking those webinars, signing up. Um, I believe you can do that through their Instagram pages and websites. Other incredible resources include are not limited to uh, Rachel Cargill, Austin Channing Brown. Absolutely recommend all of her books. I'm Still Here is great. Brittany Pecknett Cunningham, um, Transform Harm as an anti-violence organization. Recommend having a look at that. And Tarana Burke, of course, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, those are just a few of the women who I've been learning from for the last number of years and are putting out incredible advocacy resources, educational resources on their Instagrams. So please have a look at that. If you haven't, if this is your first time addressing racism in sport, um, cool. I recommend you stop this right now and go look at their channels and learn from them first as I'm just summarizing the action steps that they've given and transferring it directly to, all right, cool. So what do we do in sport? As I said, sport is way behind, um, and unfortunately in the hierarchy, it seems that they <laughs> would even take women before they would prioritize black people, which is fucked up to put it lightly, and they're not even that far. So how do we get everybody included in this? How do we give black people the safety and representation and comfort um, and care that they deserve, and how do we dismantle this from the inside? So... We all, white people, again, are basically born into this system where we subconsciously, um, or maybe consciously, depending on who you are, who your parents are maybe, where you grow up, um, are racist and ex hold extreme racial biases and benefit from the system of privilege, of opportunities, of options, of respect, of a certain level of safety because of the color of our skin, because of nothing else, not because of merit. It's not a merit-based system. Um, it's a racist system. It's literally based on your race and ethnicity. Um, even people who quote-unquote pass as white sometimes get some of those privilege. But once you're considered to have apparently a drop of black in you, um, it seems that you lose those. Again, as a white woman, I can't speak to that experience, but I hope to have someone on very soon who can speak to that and please go learn from those women. Like I said, it's just a painful experience. As I said, it's been going on forever. So how do we white people address this now? The first thing is listen and learn. As I said, we do a lot of talking. I'm doing a lot of talking on this podcast. We're used to having the most prominent loud voices. 
wherever we are, whatever room we're in, whatever the topic is. Um, it's not very often that our expertise on something is questioned, especially if you're a white dude. Congrats. And again, that's privilege. Uh, but we need to go into this process knowing we aren't experts. And at the same time, we aren't the experts in the experience or how to fix it, but it is 100% absolutely our duty to fix it, to actively assist in fixing this problem. Um, because white people have benefited from and held up this system for centuries, um, forever, I guess. And yeah, black people are doing their best to fix the system, but really it's our problem. So we need to be actively listening to them and then doing our role to dismantle from the inside with the power that we have, again, that privilege. If you don't have um, black, indigenous people of color in your friend circles, note that. Um, find people. Uh, try to diversify your friend group. And I mean that. Do that honestly, not just like you need that token black friend or three or just because you want to be friends with black people so you don't look like a racist. Like actually work to diversify your friend group I promise um, it helps it's really important <laughs> it's amazing how much you've been missing by doing all of the talking in an echo chamber but if you don't have black friends at this moment instead of trying to go I don't know scout some that's weird find people to listen to like I quoted people at the beginning of this episode great options please go listen to black women they've been doing this work forever um, and again, they're actionable, giving actionable steps. Um, follow and learn from experts. Seek to understand history, <laughs> a very long history, uh, and the stories of racial oppression. And listen to how black people ask us to take part in dismantling the system. Like, there's no reason for us who are just jumping on this train now, a lot of white people, to push our way to the front and try and build an anti-racial system from the ground up like that would be centering us in the story so black people have been doing this like i said forever so let's see what we can do to help them with what they've created and what they have already started and how much work they've already put into it how can we assist them and get that farther their platforms farther using our platforms and vo voices and privilege again please don't ask them to educate us for free um we haven't been listening. We've been telling them to shut up, even subconsciously. And um, they're tired, and they're educators, and they deserve our money, and we need to listen. But they do offer a lot of free resources, so I definitely recommend, again, checking them out. And please don't become defensive. Um, that's the easiest cop-out. Just when you're rebuked, when you're told that you've done something wrong, or when you realize that you might have some biases, when you realize that you do have biases, probably a lot of them, don't get defensive. Just work through that shame, that sadness, whatever. Don't put it on anybody else. Work through it yourself uh, and then move right on through it. It's a long process. It's a marathon to undo this work. Um, continue listening and learning. That's all I can say. It, again, it's not about us. Um, some questions to ask ourselves. What are my unconscious racial biases? Like, how do you feel about black people? How would you feel if a black person got your job? How would you feel if a black person got your spot? How do you feel around black people? Like, are you scared around them? Are you irritated around them? Do you not like listening to them? Like, those are really important things that happen just because, like, fear of black people, I'm learning, is a 
thing that I've heard quite often from white people, um, especially black men. Like that's a racial bias that needs to be looked at. It's just an example, as I said, looked at and addressed seriously. And then ask yourself how the system works in your favor as a white person. Like where have you benefited from it? Like, do you benefit from inequality? Do you benefit from the system? What's your privilege? Where have you used that? Where has that gotten you things that maybe other people haven't had? And then how do you utilize your role in the system? Like, do you help others? Do you hurt others even indirectly? Do you take things from others? Do you give things to others? Do you amplify others? These are some really important questions. Um, Yeah, (laughs) painful to take a look at, but really important when it comes to self-awareness. And really the first steps in doing this work. So again, listen and learn from black people and then do some serious self-reflection, some serious self-awareness work, reflection, self-feedbacking, and be really honest because you're not helping anybody if you're not being honest about this. Speak up as you witness it. This is to me really important in sport because once you've learned, once you've listened, once you've gotten awareness of what your biases are and are working to change that inside yourself which again long ongoing processes we're not going to do this overnight especially not as a whole conglomerate of just white people worldwide but you're going to start noticing it more around you as you notice it more in yourself and in the sport industry we do this all of the time (laughs) like there are so many less obvious forms of racism like microaggressions or quote-unquote jokes Um, talking down to black and indigenous people of color, um, fetishizing black people, treating them like like the stereotypes of the aggressive, the super strong and fast, super physical black athletes, things like that. Those are all less obvious forms of racism uh, that need to be addressed that we talk about all the time. Like even in news reporting, even in staff meetings when we're talking about athletes, those things come up. Um, And of course, then there's more aggressive displays like racial slurs, obvious discrimination against black people um, or based on the color of your skin, etc. And again, you'll start noticing these things more as you're doing the work. It pops up um, at alarmingly high rates, depending on where you are. But again, even in our language, we show racial biases and beliefs. So it's an important thing to call that out as you see it, whether in public in that moment or if you're like me and you kind of need a second to like get through your head like what happened process and then figure out how you're going to respond then approach that person afterwards and try and have a discussion about it and explain that you know that was not appropriate that was racial discrimination here's why um it depends on the kind of person that you are but it needs to be called out and addressed because without that we just can't expect everybody to want to change so we need to be doing our part when we see it happening And again, this comes down to even things like stereotyping, where um, Sarah Gordon of the Chicago Red Stars said that it feels like as a black, I'm, this is a quote, it feels like as a black girl, we have to work twice as hard to be called the technical player, unquote. And what she was talking about was she's always called that aggressive physical athlete. Like she's so strong and so fast and whatever, all those stereotypes we hold about like the freak superhuman black athletes and having like all these really great genetics and the strong aggressive black woman um stereotype etc we take those on in sport (laughs) we really do um and we pass them on to our staff we pass them on to our athletes and they hear those things and it also um 
We use them also in our player selection. We use them in our starting lineup selection. We use them in how we train. And we never notice. We never notice until we become self-aware and recognize how our language has racial biases built into them. And thus our sports system has racial bias built into it. So the language we use to describe players, the role we expect them to fill, and expectations we set are all areas where we need to have open ears and call it out when we see it and when we hear it. Of course, additionally, of course, um, as I said, diversity of staff within sport organizations and in reporting, this is pretty serious. Women's sport always takes the back seat, um, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of cases where athletes are black and indigenous people of color uh, and the majority of the staff are white dudes or white people and representation matters so if you have the authority to do so shout out to the coaches and managers uh we need to have staffs and organizations that are just as diverse as our teams um that comes down to as a coach we need to be able to serve our athletes the best we can and if i don't have shared experience with that athlete i might not know how to talk to them um, in the best possible way. I might not know how to coach them in the best possible way. They need, you know, it's important that athletes have leaders that they can trust, that they can look up to, who have their best interest at heart. And if we're trying to provide the best care, shouldn't it be from people who understand their experience, who they feel comfortable around, who haven't been discriminating against black people for centuries, who haven't benefited from systems of power to get to where they are? I just feel like Yeah, I just feel like I would love to, I want to see diversity in sport and not just in the athletes. I want to see it in the staff as well. Like black people, there are some amazing black coaches out there. Why aren't they also in the professional leagues coaching? It's fine if they don't want to, but like, why aren't they offered those positions? Why is it always the white dudes who are offered the head coach position? Why is it always the white dude who's offered the head of performance position? I know I'm throwing out a lot of generalizations, but look at 99% of the main positions in sport organizations, white dudes. Not necessarily because they're the most qualified person either. So how do we address these kinds of biases? Um, As I said, call them out when you see them. And then it's important that we bring our organizations and leaders to the table. We ask them what they're doing to promote anti-racism within our institutions and demand that they take a side like there's no neutral in this there's no like oh we're just not racist oh we don't see color it's like you're racist or you're anti-racist you there's not an in-between here like it's a, it's a fence you can't ride the fence um demand that they execute meaningful action and then hold them accountable like that's really important because who's going to hold these people to the fire us we're already in we're already in the organization we're already in the association we're already at the cool kids table we made it that far now we have the platform the opportunity to speak to authority and we need to use that power that we have to be advocating for change to be advocating for better to be advocating for our black and indigenous um, people of color like our siblings our black siblings especially at you know in this moment and so as I said, work on ourselves and our colleagues to eliminate racially charged and biased languages and those decisions from our daily lives. This is really important. So once we have that self-awareness, have listened and learned, 
are gradually growing, changing, asking ourselves questions. You'll recognize it all around you. Start calling it out. It's important. Increasing that awareness around your space, in your family, in your organization, in your team. Bringing people to the table. And demanding they take a side and holding them accountable. Because we're in the end group. Just by nature of the skin we were born with. Um, As I said, representation matters and our language matters. Um, Diversity matters. So how do we get more black people and people of color into positions of power and representation? By advocating. So (laughs) advocating for them to be in these positions, asking ourselves what resources we can offer, um, figuring out how we can use our platforms to speak up for equality better, uh, and taking actions on those things. If we want to achieve true and not token diversity in sport, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, But that's the goal. It's the long haul. It's the marathon, not the sprint. And it starts with each of us, white people, using our platforms and privilege, uh, again, because we're in the in-group to eliminate racism, to call anti-racism the new norm, uh, and lift black, indigenous, and people of color into positions of power and into decision-making roles. That's really important. Again, we're not interested in the token diversity here. We don't want the token black person. We don't want the token brown person, like, Nobody cares about that. It's not true diversity until it's true diversity, until it's actually diverse, until those people are given power, until they're given decision-making rights, until they're an authority. Um, Just so disinterested in tokenism. That's what we, a lot of like feminists and yeah, (laughs) orgs who say that they're uh, not racist have been doing token, uh, token anti-racism forever or token non-racism forever and that's boring that's old that's ashy uh lastly no we'll get it wrong there's probably eight thousand errors that i've made in this podcast i probably misspoke i probably went on a tangent i probably um (laughs) have the wrong idea on a lot of things and i'm sure that i'll be corrected i hope that i'll be corrected um but a lot of us are new to this. <laughs> and even if you're not new to this, I think this is my, so I started working on anti-racism stuff or trying to educate myself on like the history and recognizing that it was what was going on in 2014. So even six years in, I'm getting corrected legit every day. So get used to it. <laughs> like it's a good thing. Honestly, I view it a bit like these people care enough still that they're correcting me and calling me to the table and not just being like, you're a dumbass, but being like, legitimately calling me out taking the time to be like hey you said that wrong please check yourself we need to take that as correction take it also as an honor we're in this fight together link elbows with them with black people who have been doing this work forever as i said um we're gonna get things wrong try not to get defensive remember that the goal is not to be right but it's to listen to learn to be corrected and then integrate that new knowledge of how and what we can do better and just keep it pushing. Um, This is a long fight, guys. They have been fighting this for so long. And again, it's really our job to fix because white people started it. Even if it wasn't us, we still benefit from it. So keep that in mind. They're tired. It's time that we take up the fight for them where we are in the in-group. And for a lot of us, if you're listening, if you're a coach, you're a practitioner, maybe you're a white athlete, That's in sport. And those are some ideas of how we can 
begin to diversify um, sport and make sport orgs, sport participation teams, make them anti-racist. <laughs> Sorry, and make them anti-racist. It's time. Like, it's so overdue. <laughs> They said the work is far, far, far from over, even in sport, maybe especially in sport. Um, it's going to be hard. Lots of undoing. Lots of rebuilding. Start now. <laughs> and be as difficult to stop from winning while doing anti-racism work and justice work as you are on the pitch, as you are in your job. Because this isn't just sport. Just like it's never just a joke. It really matters. Um, like I said, we're the end group because we've made it to the table, whatever table we're at. So it's our job to bring to those tables anti-racism and hold people accountable and get things done. It's not just enough to say at one time. Usually, unfortunately, you got to keep it pushing. Got to keep nagging and keep holding people accountable, bringing them to the table, holding them to the fire and demanding that something change demanding that something change again please follow um the black women listed at the beginning of this episode i will post their information as well a bit about them and the links to their instagram bios in the caption and the show notes of this episode so please have a look at that if there's anyone else uh, that you recommend that i have a look at and begin to learn from Please send me their profiles or their names, and I'd be more than happy to take a look. Again, that list is not exhaustive or exclusive. Please learn from black people. Again, if you're finishing this episode and this is like the first anti-racist thing that you've heard or read about or listened to, yikes. Please go find somebody else because I am so far from being very knowledgeable about this. I'm just summarizing what the work that black people have been doing forever and talking about how we can take those steps and move them into sport. So please listen to them um, and please stay in this fight. It won't be over in a week. It won't be in, over in a month. It won't be over in a year. It's a marathon. So I'm tired. I'm going to go write to my Congress people again. <laughs> I keep doing it every day. And then I am taking my ass into the bed because we got to live to fight another day. So take care of yourselves. Take care of your people. Look out for our beloved brothers and sisters because their lives are just as valuable as ours are. And let's begin to make a change, guys, and not a token change, a purposeful, active combating of racism that is just rampant in society. And we will not stand for it anymore, especially in sport. Thanks for listening. See you next week. 